Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Well, good morning. We are all going to die. That's probably a terrible way to start a sermon. I, I'm not quite sure. Uh, maybe if you're a guest this morning or tuning in, you're like, tell me why we showed up here. Uh, I'm not quite sure. Well, it can only go uh, up from here and get a little bit better. So what I'd like us to do is to begin to embrace the truth that we have a limited amount of days. Like we, we are going to die one day. And what should we do with this time that we've been given? The fact of the matter is, unless Jesus Christ returns and sets up his kingdom while we're here and alive and breathing, we will all taste physical death. And uh, we, we just have this limited amount of time. And I turned 50 last month. And when you reach these miles, no, you, don't, that's my, you don't need to applaud. Like I did something. Like, hey, I, I did it. I made it. No, when you reach those milestones, you're just like, you're evaluating. What, what time do I have left? What am I going to do with the time that I have left? Do, will I be able to look back on my life that I, I lived and not have any regrets over something that I did or I did not do? Maybe, maybe you've heard the phrase before, carpe diem. You've heard that phrase, carpe diem? Uh, typically, we interpret that, seize the day. It is Latin, but it literally means pluck the day. Pluck the day. And uh, if you watched Dead Poet Society, it, it was featured, they, they read this poem, and this is where we get this idea of seize the day. It's from Robert, Robert Herrick's poem in 1648. It starts out like this, gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Old time is still a-flying, and this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. Seize the day, right? Carpe diem. And honestly, I think that's probably the closest thing to a philosophy of life that a whole lot of people have. It's just, okay, I'm going to seize the day, which it's true. There is a limited amount of time that you and I have. We, we want to make sure that we're embracing this life completely. We have a limited time. There's an expiration date, and we just don't know when that expiration is going to happen for us. Um, I could live a long time. I, I could live a, a short amount of time. Uh, in a couple months, when I get on an airplane, Lord willing, and go on vacation, that plane could go down and I could die. Uh, I can get in my car and, and drive home today and be hit by another car and I could die. Uh, I could have cancer, not know it. I could die six months from now. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of scenarios that you can run in your head. I could preach so like passionately that I have a heart attack and die. That's very possible. You know, there's no end to the possibilities. Maybe you can figure out how Chris is going to kick the bucket, like your own thing. But the fact of the matter is, I'm going to die. We are all going to die one day. And what we do is we suppress that. We put that out of our mind. We think it's not going to happen. And as a result, we don't fully embrace the kind of life that God would have for us. And what I'm going to suggest to us is that we live in that awareness. We live in that reality so that we can live this life wide awake to what God has called us to be and to do. I want you to kind of in your own mind to answer the question today. What would I do if I realized I've got a month to live? Just a month. What would you do with your time? How would you live your life? What would you begin to do? And so uh, we'll look at scripture and we're going to try to 
find something that, that we can hold on to today as we think about living life wide awake with this awareness like there is a, a finite amount of time for me to be breathing in and out of the lungs that I have. This is what Psalm 39 says. Oh, Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Our lives are just incredibly short. We're, we're this mist that appears for a little while, and, and then it vanishes. And, I, and when I hear that scripture, I kind of just think about being outside on a cold winter day, and you breathe out, and you, you see that breath, and it, it's there, and then it dissipates. That's what, that is what we're like. Like we can see, like I see Chris right now, but soon you won't see Chris. And, and, and the place, the, the people that I've encountered, these spaces that I've been, it's not going to remember me. Uh, we tend to think like, no, no, everyone will remember me. No, we will be forgotten. We are here for just a short amount of time. Compared to eternity, we're just this little blip on the radar screen of eternity. We have a fine line, just a fine amount of time that we are here in this moment and we need to make sure that we are wide awake to who God is, who he has created us to be, what he has called us to do, that we would be wide awake to these truths. We must begin to embrace the reality that we will die. This is what it says in James chapter four about us kind of knowing the future. It says, Come now, verse 13, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. We walk around this life so confident that we have so many more days that we waste the one that we're currently living. And so today I want to just give us some handles, some things that we're going to hold on to. And my prayer is that, that you'll, you'll begin to engage just three quick prayers in your life to begin living wide awake, realizing that you have this one life to live, that God has given you grace and he's given you mercy so that you might begin to live it in the way that he intends for you to live it. So here's the first prayer. God... Turn when into now. Turn when into now. I don't, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I seem to almost live wishing my life away. Like always just thinking about the next thing, the next goal. Like I, I think down the road when my life gets to be the way that I kind of picture it in my life, well, then I'll truly be living uh, and I'll, I'll truly be able to engage others the way that God wants me to and live for him the way that he wants me to. And, and we have this kind of when then kinds of statements that we have. If you're single, maybe you're thinking, when I get married, then I'll be happy. Maybe you're thinking, if you're a couple, when we have children, when we have children, then our lives will be complete. When our children are older, then we'll have more time together. When, when our children are grown up and they're moved out of the house, then we'll spend more time investing in our marriage. When we have grandchildren, well, then our lives will be complete. When we get out of debt, then we'll be able to tithe. When we get the right house, then we'll be able to do a life group and have a small group at our house. When I get my career under control, then I'll begin reinvesting in my family. When, then. I don't know what your when, then is, but we need to start praying, God, turn when into now. 
Allow it to happen right now because time is brief and it is flying by. I tend to live in a place where I'm always just kind of wishing the time away. I remember when Shelby was two days old, our daughter Shelby, and it was 2 a.m. in the morning, and I was holding Shelby, and Tammy was trying to get some rest, and Shelby was fussy. And so a uh, two-day dad just kind of bouncing and trying to get her to be quiet, and she was fussy. And I had this kind of prayer thought in my mind where I said, God, please let this stage of her life hurry up quickly and be done so we don't have to mess with this anymore. And in that moment, I don't know if you have ever felt just a weight of conviction. And I started thinking, what did I just pray? And I made this promise to myself and to the Lord, and I said, God, I, I just want to love her the best I can, whatever stage she is in. God, I never want to wish for the next stage because it will be here before I know it. Help me to love her in this moment. Time is flying. But for some of us, we're always like looking down the road. That's how I live. Some of you, you you live in the past and you're you're kind of back there. I don't know what that's like. Some of us, we're always living forward and and everything's kind of vision and future. We've got these goals. We've got these plans. We've got this direction. I kind of picture it like I'm I'm running through a forest. I'm going down this path and I, I see the direction. I see down the road where I want to get. And then the harder I run, the, the trees, they just become like this blur. And I'm never really in the moment where I kind of just stop and, and look at the beauty around me. And that's what happens to people who are just kind of always down the road and vision-minded. Sometimes people, they just become a blur. They just, they just pass by too quick. What I'm saying is we need to turn when into now. We need to stop and be able to embrace the moment that God has given to us rather than saying, well, when all of this happens, then everything will be fine. No, this is this. This is this moment. And God has encouraged me to embrace this moment. And so I'm just asking you, would you be all there like today when we've come here to worship God, even hearing his word right now, would you be in this moment? Like, would you just say, God, would you, would you open up my ears to hear from you? In this moment, God, would you open up my eyes to see spiritually? Help me kind of just put, up, put aside all that weight that I brought in here and all the stuff I'm looking forward to after the service is over. God, would you just, in this moment, wherever you are, be all there. If you have children, engage with them. Don't be off in your mind trying to, to fix something at work or work out some issue or on your phone. Engage your kids. If you're with your spouse, look your spouse in the eye. Listen to them. Spend the moment with them. Engage. If you're with a coworker, don't be off in your mind doing something else. Listen to them. Listen to their heart. They're people that you care about. Make sure that you're fully in the moment. Wherever you are, be all there. Because if you are not, life will pass you by and you will have regrets. Be in this moment. This is what the Bible says in Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So we've come to this moment called here by an almighty God who made us, who created us so that he might once again grab us perhaps by the face lovingly and look in our eyes and say, I love you. I care for you. Live in this moment that I have given to you. Embrace it fully. Seize this day, carpe diem, wherever you are, be all there. God, turn when into now. 
Proverbs 27, verse 1. Don't boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what a day may bring. So we're going to ask God to turn when into now. Second prayer. God, turn good intentions into actions. God, would you please turn my good intentions into actions? If you're like most people I know, you're, you're a good person. Right? D- deep down, you've got like these good things that you want to do. You have in mind, like, I, I want to be a good person to others. I want to love others. I want to care for others. Uh, I want to be attentive to others. You have good intentions toward what, whatever kinds of goals you've got in mind so that you can do good and be good. Yet, if you're like most people, you've not yet taken action on some of those things. You've not yet followed through on the good that you know that you should be doing. This is what James 4.17 says. So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it's sin. So this would be what we call a a sin of omission rather than a sin of commission. A sin of commission is when we do the wrong thing. A sin of omission is when we know the right thing to do, but we don't follow through and we don't do it. Like we know we should be doing this, but we drop the ball. We don't do it. So ask God, God, would you turn my good intentions into godly actions? What is it that God has been laying on your heart that you know you should be doing, but you've just not done it yet. You've not pulled the trigger. Maybe it's somebody that you know you're, you're supposed to share your faith with. I mean, you've had this conviction, you have this person on your mind, and, and you know, man, I've had this thought, I really need to go to them and just tell them how much God has done for me and how much I love him, and he loves them. Maybe, maybe you just right out just need to tell them, look, you're loved by God. We have this creator, and he sent his son so that you can have a relationship with him, and I want him to be your friend like he's my friend, and he's calling you to share the gospel, but you haven't done it yet. Maybe there's somebody that you know that that you'd love to invite to church and you've been thinking about it and thinking about it. You just haven't done it yet. There's this fear in the back of your mind. It's a good thing, but you have not yet taken action. Maybe there's somebody that God's calling you just to simply serve and to serve them sacrificially. Maybe there's something that God is stirring on the inside of you. He's wired you. He's gifted you with talents and abilities. He's calling you to serve the body of Christ, but you've not yet stepped in to serve in some way. Maybe he's calling you to be generous, and yet there's this part of you that you're you're afraid to become generous or to begin tithing. Maybe he's calling you to do something good. Maybe he's calling you to connect with your spouse in a way that you haven't. Or maybe your children, maybe they haven't heard you say, I'm so proud of you, and I love you. What is the good thing that God is calling you to do, and yet you've not taken action to do it? Maybe there's somebody who you've harmed, and you need to seek forgiveness. You know you need to apologize. But there's something on the inside of you that keeps you from doing that good thing. You just need to talk to them. Maybe there's somebody in your life who they've made a difference and they've encouraged you and you've been meaning to send that note of thanks, but you haven't done it. Maybe there's somebody who's harmed you, who's wronged you, and you know, you know you need to forgive them. But you've not yet done it. And you need to forgive them whether or not they ever come to you and ask for forgiveness. What good thing are you holding back on? Close that gap. Because we don't know if we've got tomorrow. I don't know if you've ever bumped into somebody who's living with regret because they knew they needed to do something or say something to a loved one, and then they passed away and they never had the opportunity. I don't want you to live with that kind of regret. What good thing is God calling you to do? Take action on that thing. Do it today. Do not wait. 
This is what Proverbs 3.27 says. It says, do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. So what are our prayers so far? God, turn when into now. I want to live in this moment. I, I want to make sure that I'm fully engaged with those who are around me. I want to live this life to the fullest to give you honor and glory. God, turn when into now. God, turn my good intentions into some godly actions. Don't, don't let with me withhold good when I've got it on the inside of me to give it away. God, help me to take proactive steps and be intentional about loving others who are around me. Then the final prayer is this. God, turn my whole heart toward Jesus. God, turn my whole heart toward Jesus. I think too many people are not giving their whole life over to Jesus. We give part of our life. We give a part of our heart, we give a part of our life, and we compartmentalize our faith. Too often what we have are are people who call themselves Christians, but really they continue to sit on the throne of their life. Like their Lord, their King, I'm doing my thing. I'm here to serve me. I'm here to have others serve me. I'm here not so interested in what God would have for me. I'm interested in making sure that I succeed, that everything is going well for me. Now, yes, I know who Jesus is, and every now and then I'll give Jesus a little wave. I'll show up in church. I'll spend an hour in church. Uh, I'll maybe even give a few bucks. And if things really get bad in my life, I might even pray. Right? So I've got part of Jesus But really, my life is all about me. I begin to compartmentalize. This is my Jesus life. That happens on Sunday, maybe in life group, or maybe when I'm around others who call themselves Christians. But really, life revolves around me, and I'm not so interested in the things of God. I'm interested in the things of of me and myself. And so we begin to compartmentalize, and he does not have our whole heart. Yes, he's there when I need him. I'll reach out for him in those moments, but he does not have me completely and totally. And we talk a lot around here about being wholehearted, right? We see it written. We hear it talked about like we're here to inspire people to become wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. And the reason that we say that is because that's what God is calling us to. He's not calling us to a game. He's not calling us to labels. He's not calling us to a a, a building so that we might just say that we're Christians who are kind of doing Christian things, but that we might be totally transformed in our heart. It's not like a one-time kind of prayer that we do, like, well, I prayed this prayer, so I'm pretty sure I'm going to to heaven because I prayed a prayer. It's not a one-time act, like I got dipped in some water. This is a total transformation, not part of my heart, my whole heart given to him. It is this moment in which we understand the God of this universe whispers our name. And in that moment, our soul is made awake. And we realize that he is calling us to himself. And at that moment, we're no longer at odds with this God. We no longer hate him. We love him and we want him to fill us completely. This is where we long for his holiness in our lives. That it's not just like a Sunday face I put on. No, this is a transformation of my whole heart. My life is Christ. What happens is we come to know him because of his justification. That's a big word. And what that justification means is this is God doing the work and making us right, filling us with faith, giving us his grace. And then we are justified. We are made right because of his act of sacrifice on our behalf and our repentance. He comes in, he justifies us. And after that justification, the next kind of like theological word is sanctification. 
You have justification moving to sanctification. And this just means simply the spirit of God living on the inside of us, taking our spirit that was dead, now making us alive. And now we long for holiness. We're not perfected yet, but we're longing that we would walk away from sin and we would have more and more of God and his righteousness and our hearts and our affections are beginning to change away from this world, away from sin, away from selfishness. And we long for the holiness of God, sanctification, justification, sanctification, and one day, glorification. One day we get to be in heaven because of his justifying work lived out through the sanctifying transformation that has happened in my heart, not by me trying to be a good boy and pull myself up and do good works, but the Spirit of God has breathed life into my soul, and my soul is wide awake. And one day, when Christ comes back, or our bodies are laid down by death, we enter into heaven, a glorified body, a glorified life, no longer wrestling with temptation, no longer feeling the push of this life, pulling us, trying to pull us away from God and self-centeredness, but perfection. Christ in us, because we are in him. Justification, sanctification, glorification. And so I, I would say for you, if we're going to be real about like, let's be wide awake you're only going to be wide awake to the extent to which you say, Jesus, I need you. I want you. I long to be with you. There's no better time than this to say, Jesus, all of you. I no longer want to be apart from you. I don't want to play a game. I'm not interested in just a Christian game. I want to know you. I want your life in me. Jesus, I'm not longing for sin in my life. I'm longing for your holiness. I want more of you. I don't want sin that begins to separate our fellowship between you and me. I just long to know you more and more. Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know your truth. I want to know your love, your grace, your mercy. Fill me. Take my whole heart. I'm so tired of just a little piece of me. Have my whole life. I'm yours. Your life is now mine. Right now, I'm going through the book of Philippians just in my God time. And I'm looking at the Apostle Paul, and he's in prison. And he's talking about rejoicing and having a great time. And I just started thinking, what is going on with this man? Well, what is going on with the Apostle Paul is he's just like, well, everything's about Jesus. And when everything is about Jesus, even the bad things that come into my life aren't even about Jesus. I'm just like, that's the kind of life I want to live. I want so much of my life to be permeated by the presence and the person of Jesus Christ, that everything that begins to come at me continues to be about him and his glory, not Chris and what I might be able to get, that I would be filled with him, transformed by him. Take all of me, not just part of me, because I long to be with you, Jesus, forever. There's this interesting interaction that happens in the Bible in Mark chapter 12. In Mark 12, there's this guy that comes up to Jesus. He says, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? We've got a bunch of them. What's the one most important? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the guy that walked up to Jesus said, you're, you're right. 
I mean, God, God wants that in our life more than he wants burnt offerings and sacrifices. And then Jesus says to this man, knowing that he's understanding this in his head, but it has not yet fully reached his heart, he said to this man, Jesus said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're not there yet. You're close. And quite frankly, that's my fear for a number of Christians and perhaps for some of you. That you're not far from the kingdom of God. Like you know about Jesus, you understand Jesus, you're in church, but you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. He's never really become your Lord and your Savior. He's somebody that you turn to, you, you maybe want a little bit of security in your life, but he does not have your whole heart. He has part of your life, and he would say, you are so close, but you're not there yet. You're not in my kingdom. Earlier I said, we're all going to die. And the fact of the matter is, some of you have yet to live. Because the Bible tells us that when we come into this world, we're dead in our sins and our transgressions. Oh, we've, we've got breath in our lungs. We've got some synapses that are kind of clicking in our mind. But our spirit is dead because of sin. And the way that you begin to live is through Christ. First John 5.12 tells us, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. You're like, well, I want life. How am I going to get into that life? How do, how do I get into this kingdom? Well, there's another interesting interaction that Jesus has with another guy, and this is in John chapter 3, and this man is a teacher of the Pharisees, and he comes and he says, Jesus, man, we know that you're, you're a teacher from God because nobody can do the signs that you're doing if he's not from God. And Jesus said in John 3, 3, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is confused. I mean, how is this possible? How can you be born physically again? And Jesus begins to move in this direction of talking about something that happens in our spirit where we are born again. We're born from above. We have new life. We're a new creation. God takes that spirit that was dead in us. He breathes life into us. Just like God breathing life into Adam and Eve. Now he does it with his spirit. And now our soul is awake. We must be born again. If you've only been born once, you're going to die twice. But if you've been born twice, you only die once. You understand what I'm saying? If you've been born physically, you're going to die physically. But after that, the Bible tells us that there is a spiritual death that continues on if your spirit was never made alive by Jesus. And it's eternal death. You die twice. But if you are born twice, you're born physically, but then you begin to be born again by the Spirit of God, you will die once physically, but then you will go to heaven and you will continue to have life in the one who is life. Jesus is your life. When Jesus Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also shall appear with him in glory. That's what the Bible says. When Jesus returns, you're going to be with him forever. That's life. That's how we live wide awake. That's why I would say today, God, 
turn when into now. Turn my good intentions into actions. I want to be wholehearted to Jesus. Like you've had in your mind, like one day, one day when I get older, then I'll get right with God. I have some good intentions. Like, yes, I want to be in heaven. Yes, I want to be living for God. And that might happen. But today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear the Spirit of God whispering your name, do not harden your heart, but step toward him and receive the life that he has already given you. Let's pray. Father, for any heart, for any soul in this room, or any soul that is watching this message, It is your spirit that breathes life so that we might be born again, born anew, born from above. Thank you, Lord Jesus, leaving heaven, coming to earth, living in the flesh, living perfectly. Thank you for going to the cross and taking my sin. Thank you for absorbing all of my sin all of the wrath that was due me. And I thank you for allowing me now to have your righteousness, a righteousness that has never come from myself because I'm not righteous alone. Only you are. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for rising from the dead, conquering hell, conquering death, conquering the grave so that I might live with you forever. Father, for every heart that has heard their name whispered, felt you drawing to them, would you fill them with your spirit? Give them a passion to know you deeply. Give them a passion to open up your word. May it come alive to them. Lead them all the days of their life, Father, as we walk through this life fully engaged in what you are doing for your honor and for your glory, for your good name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvillroad.cc. God bless you.